With me on the phone, Karen Rodman. Karen is in Toronto, joining us on the phone, as I mentioned, and she is the voluntary executive director of the Palestine Just Trade Association, which we'll be talking about more uh, during the interview. With Karen, we will talk uh, mainly about uh, an absurd and bizarre case of the Palestinian wines and beers that are being blocked from being sold in Canada because of a court ruling that ruled that Labeling wines made in illegal settlements with a, quote, product of Israel label is misleading and false. So if you are wondering what uh, this has to do with the Palestinian wines and beers that are made in the Palestinian territories, not in settlements, and they are not labeled as product of Israel, but are labeled accurately as, quote, product of Palestine, then you are not alone wondering this and asking what is going on and why these Palestinian products are being stopped from being sold in Canada because of a court ruling that has nothing to do with them. So how a ruling about the misleading, quote, product of Israel label that is usually on products made in a legal settlement is being now used not to stop the product that has this misleading label on, but to stop Palestinian product that has nothing to do with this misleading label, as I mentioned, and that are not even made in settlements to begin with. So with Karen, we will talk about all the details behind this case and hopefully get a better idea about the, yet again, what seems to be a very controversial behavior and decision by the CFIA, which is the Canadian Food Inspection Agency, and the LCBO, which is the Liquor Control Board of Ontario. These both entities seem to be holding these Palestinian wines, and uh, no one really knows why exactly or how they link these uh, Palestinian products to a court ruling that has to do with settlement products, as I mentioned, something completely different. So thank you, Karen, for talking to us today. It's very much my pleasure. So before we talk about the controversy itself that I kind of summarized a little bit, um, can you maybe let's talk first about the Palestinian products themselves that are in the middle of this latest controversy. We have what we call the Taibe Priyirs and the Nadim wines, and both are products made by the Taibe Brewery, which is located in the small Palestinian village called Taibe, which is not very far from Ramallah, I believe, which is in the occupied Palestinian territories. So these are, uh, in brief, the products that are in the middle of this uh, case or controversy or we'll be talking about. But can you maybe, there's an interesting history or an interesting kind of circumstances around how uh, these beers and wine came to be. So can you maybe talk to us a bit about this, a little bit of history behind it? Sure. Um, in 2018, I was in Palestine, and um, just as I was, uh, things coming together, uh, that's actually when Palestine Just Trade Incorporated came together, which is basically an organization that um, that was started to uh, bring distinct quality Palestinian products into Canada. And uh, we have brought Majul dates as, a, as a, an example uh, and something we've been doing through 2019. Um, as part of that, um, I was at Taipei and uh, was meeting with the Corey family and, um, and asking them. I knew that I'd heard that they had tried to um, export to Canada in the past and that that hadn't uh, hadn't worked. I also knew that they were exporting to some other uh, locations, uh, such as uh, Japan for over a dozen years, a number of European countries, and more recently they've opened up uh, um, a distribution in uh, in the U.S. as well, in the United States. So um, we, we began talking, and um, one thing led to another, and um, I went and did a little bit of research, talked to uh, some some people uh, who um, work with the LCBO, or and 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 uh, what seemed to make the most sense was for me to actually, or through Palestine Just Trade, to become an agent um, under the uh, the Alcohol and Gaming Commission of Ontario, and um, and through the processes with the LCBO, because um, what. What is required in in Canada and most of the provinces, it it is required that um, there is an exclusive agent for any uh, liquor um, manufacturer or supplier from another country from overseas. So, um, and in fact, with most provinces, that uh, is what works works best for a, a company like Taipei. So. 
when uh, all of that came to uh, together um, over the summer, while 2018, while I was uh, in Palestine, um, we decided that we would go with this arrangement between Tabe and my myself to uh, try again to see if we could uh, get product coming into uh, into Canada for both uh, their uh, their craft uh, beers that uh, they've. Uh, been uh, been brewing since back in uh, 1994, right after the Oslo Agreement, and for their newer products, the wonderful boutique wines that um, they become very well known for um, since uh, they started that uh, that winery in 2013. So um, with with that um, sort of I came back and began the work of figuring out just how to go about doing this, what would work. Um, we did try some tenders and some other processes, but found out that the best way was to uh, to bring product in through the World Destination Program. That, that's how uh, many of the new products come in and, and new, new um, wineries and breweries bring product uh, into uh, the LCBO. And, of course, the LCBO is really uh, the, the premium and the largest uh, – liquor agency and i think all of the world it's really uh has really high high standards and uh and really uh is you know sort of the, the you know it's an important place if you're wanting to get your product uh into uh into markets and to be recognized so um working with some staff at the LCDO, um we were able to go through the processes and the the aspects of uh of sharing what the product was um, and have the LCBO actually then accept and buy the product from Tabe under their World Destinations program. And uh, we're really excited because that included um, that included both the beer and the wine. And I can tell you a little bit more, but there's five of the of the beers, I, I imagine many of your uh, listeners actually have uh, have uh, if they've been in Palestine have tried uh, some of the beers because, as I say, they've been uh, brewing since uh, since 1994. So they have um, amber and dark and golden, and now more recently the IPA I saw, and white. I saw in the description. So Taibe is actually the first micro brewery in the Middle East. Is that it? That is, yeah, that is uh, my understanding. That's how that they uh, they market marketed, and yeah, basically what happened was right after the Oslo Agreement, uh, Dawood and Nadim, I should say, Corey, Corey came back uh, from where they'd been in the U.S., uh, inspired by their father Kadad, and they came back to Taipei, and that when they established the uh, microbrewery and uh, they wanted to, you know, invest and boost in the local economy in those years right after Oslo when people were optimistic about what that could mean and uh, and really went about, you know, a, a really quality uh, product uh, based on German purity laws with no preservatives or additives, making uh, this really excellent uh, craft beer and uh and then a few years later, Medea Corey, who's the, uh, the 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 real brewmaster now, uh, their their daughter um, took over that 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 role, and she's actually the general manager of Taipei. Uh, so Taipei. So um, yeah. So the, we're you know really excited about the beer, but equally about the wine because we were able to bring in five um, five particular. Uh, of their varieties of wine. We have brought in the 2015 Merlot and a Syrah from 2017, and then uh, their uh, Sauvignon Blanc, as well as a, I think it's a 2016 Cabernet Sauvignon, and then the Grand Reserve, which is a 2014 Cabernet Sauvignon. So we kind of worked through, um, as you can imagine, with those 10 varieties, even though it's very small quantities that the LCBO was purchasing, um, which is what they do with a new product like this, we were really excited to be able to, uh, I think it was March 28th, we got the final approvals, which included sort of everything, including the labels approved, including the labels that said product of Palestine for all of those 10 products. So, um you know that was really exciting, and then we began the process, uh, the process to get all the paperwork and the purchase orders together, and get what was needed in order for uh, Taipei to be able to get a shifter or a permit to get across at Ephraim to be able to take it over and to load it on a ship 
in Haifa because the LCDO does at least, I think, several times a year, maybe three times or so a year, um, brings product or a container load that's consolidated directly from an Israeli port, Haifa, which makes it a little more feasible for us working with this, you know, this order with Taibe if we can do that rather than try to get it somewhere like uh, to Spain to consolidate with European products or whatever. So um, between, uh, you know, between uh, the sort of operational details and some po- some uh, some holidays, Israeli Jewish holidays and other things, eventually, I think it was like sort of early mid-May, um, the products were on the ship. And I'm sure on that ship was a number of Israeli products, many I'm sure from, uh, although I don't know what exactly was on it, but I'm sure some of those at least were from illegal settlements, both in the Syrian Golan and uh and from uh, from uh, the West Bank, including uh, East Jerusalem, but uh, that was sort of the product, and so it was on the ship. It's on the ship for a couple of months, and uh, um, and arrived as we expected, the middle of uh, July. I think I was notified around the 16th of July that um, it had cleared customs. It was in the LCBO warehouse and was beginning the couple-week process that it goes through, where the product is. You know, is checked, is tested, goes through various uh, tests at that point, um, and all the check checking of it's done. The you know payment aspects are looked at, all the administrative pieces. And so, um, I know I have an email that was August the second, basically saying the product was ready to go. Um, we had um, a number of people who had also done private orders. So when we got the approval in March, we had a few days to sort of put the word out. And some people who wanted to buy it, buy the case of beer or case of wine, were able to put in private orders. Again, that goes through the LCBO, but was going through me as their agent. And I was doing that coordination. And um, and um, so that product was ready to be shipped. I let the private customers know that they might not have the product at that point. Well, they weren't going to have the product. We were hoping for the August long weekend, but they should definitely have it for the September long weekend because it was going to be shipped to their nearest liquor store, uh, LCBO store, and the other product was going to be out and ready for the shelves um, in that people could start to buy it by the bottle through uh, the, what they call the e-channel, which basically means that... Um, you know, the, that people uh, can go on to the LCBO website and put their order in for any of these 10 products. And uh, and yeah, then it's available through their local uh, store. And I guess for restaurants and that kind of thing, we began talking to some of the restaurants and other licensed, like licensed establishments to see if they would like to be, you know, testing product and, uh, and starting to buy it to put onto uh, their menus or for special events or that kind of thing. So we were all set. That was August the 2nd. But, of course, just a couple of days before that, I think it was July 29th, the uh, federal court ruling um, that uh, had come come down, as you as you'd mentioned uh, at the beginning. And uh, basically that ruling um, in the uh, Kattenberg versus um, Attorney General of Canada ruling was that wines from Israeli settlements could not be labeled as product of Israel. And, of course, as those of us uh, near lifters know, of course, that's because the settlements are illegal according to international law and also according to Canadian policy. Before so we, we talk kind of about uh, before we talk about the latest uh, this federal court ruling and how it was used uh, to actually stop Palestinian products, not settlement products, as I mentioned. Um, up until this moment, I mean, you mentioned all this sort of concrete uh, procedural uh, details that take time and efforts. But up until this moment, did you have any challenges or concerns about the products being coming coming from Palestine, about the labeling? Did the LCBO was open right away to have Palestinian products uh, come in? Like, did you have any challenges or any concerns up until this point? Yeah, so I mean, it was some um, operational challenges, and there were a couple of points where you wondered if this was really going to work. I mean, all the way through, um, you're you're wondering. There was a point in, I think it was April. It was after everything had been approved that there seemed to be 
something happened because when we started talking about shipping, somebody said, you know, well, you know, it can't come. And then it was like, you know, there was just mixed messages. Um, in fact, at that point, I I did talk with uh, uh, the uh, then head of mission in Ramallah, Douglas Proudfoot, uh, because he'd been really keen about getting the product here. He'd even hoped we could have got it for um, an event last August, uh, you know, and, and um, we started just, uh, you know, I, I made some calls to different people in the LCBO because it wasn't clear what was sort of happening. But I, I, I still don't know. I have a Freedom of Information Access requests that are in right now uh, with, uh, with the Global Affairs Canada and Canadian Food Inspection Agency and, um, and LCBO. So maybe when we see some of that documentation at some point, we'll know better. But I think there was something happening to push back at that point. But still, um, you know, I wasn't told no, nothing was cancelled, the POs were all done, and the product got onto the, um, onto the uh, ship. Um, my sense was there might have been some issues with the shipping company in Haifa as well, because there was sort of some deflection of a we can't help you kind of thing, even though they were the agent that was hired through the LCBO, through the shipping company here. I think it's in Mississauga or whatever. So there was those kinds of things that I think there may have been blockages. But as far as the approvals, as far as um, the LCBO, I mean, we have the documentation um, very clearly from, you know, March 28th that everything was approved. And it was because everything went through and, you know, right up to the shipments arriving and all the details um, you know, it, it did did work. Um, as I say, Tabe had tried, I believe, a couple of times. I mean, I wasn't their agent, um, of course, at that time, but they tried about 10 years ago. I don't really know what happened, but I think uh, they, you know, um, it just, you know, it, it didn't work. And then they had tried more recently, a couple of years ago, but that was to try to get in on a larger tender. And I did try that, and I felt the doors were being closed. And you can't really tell why. So that's why we were excited to be able to, uh, you know, come in through this world destination approach, even though it's with a much smaller order than if, uh, if you know, you were selected as one of the, you know, larger vendors to have the, you know, whatever, the dark beer or the, or the new world product or the whatever the categories are, right? What it is- took a lot of work and a lot of perseverance more than I think it might have if it had been somewhere other than from uh, product of Palestine, but at the same time, I'm new, and this is my first time through this as well, right? So, yeah. So, what is the the world destination program uh, program of the LCBO? What what is the mandate? How was it, why at the end it was possible to bring them part of this program? Yeah. Well, basically, it's a program to bring in new and unique products from around the world. It's primarily wine, but they do have beer come in, and we were able to bring the beer in through this program. And the idea is for, you know, for companies like Tabe, whether they're, you know, what, whatever country they're in, to have a chance to bring in a, you know, a, a smaller number of cases of the product and get it onto the market and kind of test it and see how it does. And uh, and then from that, you know, um, you also have the product here, and it can, you know, you can then have it available for the um, the tenders for putting it in because there needs to be product here to be able to uh, to have it for taste testing as part of the bigger selection processes and such. So um, it's sort of that kind of a process to be mm-hmm. able to to get into the market as uh, as I've I've learned over this last year or so. Yeah. Yeah. So in August, as you mentioned, these products were about to be made available in stores and online in Canada. But the Palestine Just Trade received a message from LCBO saying due to the, and I'm quoting, due to recent decision by the federal court regarding labeling requirements for wines from this region, we have placed this product on hold. I think many of our listeners are familiar with this uh, federal court ruling about the settlement wines because we covered it many times on the show. Recently, I did a, a couple of interviews about that. But just for uh, just to remind our listeners, in July, the federal court uh, in Canada judged that two settlement wines being sold in Canada were falsely labeled. Um, these two wines, it's important to mention these two wines are not the only settlement uh, settlement wines being sold in Canada, but this court case was centered around two specific uh, wines. 
And uh, like I mentioned, people is, are interested in all the details. I did uh, two interviews, one with David uh, Kattenberg, who is the plaintiff in, the, in that court case. And also I did another interview with Dimitri Laskaris, who represented David pro bono, and they eventually won uh, the case. So as I mentioned, these two settlement wines were, uh, it was judged that they were uh, falsely mislabeled. The settlement wines are made in settlements inside the Palestinian territories, despite that they have a label on them, quote, product of Israel, which is false for obvious reason, because the settlements are not part of the current state of Israel. Uh, no one considered the settlements part of the state of Israel. Canada itself consider that uh, these settlements are even illegal. Now, the, it's important to note that the case itself did not look into the legality of the settlements or the products. It just looked into if the labels were misleading or not. And eventually the court uh, agreed with David Kattenberg and they judged that uh, indeed these uh, labels were misleading and it gave misleading impression to Canadian uh, consumers. So that's the, uh, the whole idea around this uh, federal court ruling. But in a weird twist of events, eventually uh, we learned very recently uh, from the LCBO through a message sent to you that uh, they decided to stop Palestinian wines and beers that you've been mentioning from entering uh, from being sold in Canada based on this ruling that has to do with settlements wines. So can you talk to us more about this bizarre twist of logic, I guess, that came from the LCBO? Yeah, so it was August 6th um, that I got an email and it just said exactly as you, you were reading uh, that basically due to the court ruling and that these products were from that part of the world or something like that, that these had been put on hold. Now, I mean, this makes no sense in that, you know, clearly the LCBO knew this product was from Palestine, um, from the occupied Palestinian territory. The, they knew that when, uh, when they approved the labels, they knew that when we needed to have the shift of the permits and, and, um, and the certification of, of of where it was originating from as uh, the product was brought across through uh, checkpoints or Ephraim or whatever over to Haifa. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, Tabe is based in Ramallah governance. It's in the West Bank of, uh, of Palestine, which is formally under the Palestinian Authority, right? But um, it has, you know, certainly the court really had nothing to do with this. The court ruling was very specific to Israeli settlements um, and as you said, uh, Israeli settlements in Palestine, uh, specifically West Bank, and East, including East Jerusalem, but also Israeli settlements, of course, uh, in the Golan Heights, because a lot of, uh, of wine comes from the Golan Heights. So, um, yeah, clearly, uh, you know, um, the Tabe product was not, you know, not from an Israeli settlement. So um, we thought we could maybe bring clarity by providing, you know, just information and conversation with the LCBO. Um, and, um, and then at a point later in August, um, Dimitri Lascaris, as he mentioned in uh, the earlier interview you had done with him, um, you know, in regard to just, uh, the Tabe uh, situation, um, we did write a legal, start to write legal letters to both the CFIA and LCBO because the LCBO began to refer that this was, uh, um, based on CFIA, although the CFIA has said that it's not their decision, so there's been sort of uh, um, lack of clarity on that because we've kind of got slightly different messages from each of the organizations. Um, and we, but we, you know, we made it really clear to both of them that uh, holding the Palestinian project is very discriminatory. And uh, at that point, um, did an audit of not just the products that are showing online available through the LCBO, but also looked at every province and territory in uh, Canada. And there are six provinces, at least as of uh, middle of August, uh, when I, I did the work, there were six um, six provinces that do have product of Israel um, wine or other liquor, uh, four do not. And of those six that do, 
Um, there were over 60 products. In fact, there's probably more because we were uh, very careful in what we, you know, classified um, using resources like who profits and 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 uh, and, uh, and the company's own websites to determine if they were in fact. Uh, um, you know, in an illegal settlement, there's probably another 10 or 15 that may well be beyond that, that we, uh, that we didn't do the, the next sort of deep dive to double check. But without question, I mean, you know, um, some provinces like uh, British Columbia and Alberta and Manitoba, every single one of their products is from uh, an illegal settlement. Uh, in Ontario um, and in Quebec, we found a few products that appeared to uh, come from what we would call 1948 or, you know, from uh, the state that's known as Israel, but not from an illegal settlement. So um, we were, like, really left to see that the products from uh, products uh, from uh, Israel that are from settlements, illegal settlements under international law and according to Canadian policy, were still on the shelves, but uh, the Tabe product was being held. And um, I've asked a number of times over... Uh, you know, since August the 6th, starting on August the 6th, what happened to all of the other Israeli products that was on, what the Israeli product that was on that same shipment with the product of Palestine, Tape product, and we were not told whether it was held or not. So we don't know if it was, any of it was held, if it, any of it's still being held, we, we don't know, right? But we do know that for some reason, um, the Tape product was put, was put on hold. Oh, that, that's um, yeah. interesting. So it's true that uh, the question is raised not only about the products of settlements that already exist in uh, in Canada, but the one coming with the Taipei products. Yeah, like we know there was a full shipment because that's what it was with. It would have been all product from Israel because there wouldn't be there was no other Palestinian product um, coming. I'd be pretty certain because this is the first Palestinian wine and beer that uh, has come as product of Palestine. I mean, there's other products like uh, olive oil and um, za'atar and the dates and other medjool dates and things that have come in as product of Palestine. But this is the first time wine and beer, as far as anybody knows, I think we probably would know if it was different, has ever you know come in as product of Palestine, right? So, When I did an interview yeah. with Dimitri about the settlement wines, I asked him also about the Taibe wines and beers, and he told me, I asked him what was the the legal, I guess, explanation that the LCBO or the CFIA are given. And uh, I remember mention he mentioned that their argument or what they're trying to hide behind is they're saying that Canada doesn't recognize Palestine as a state, therefore the labeling might be wrong. What do you respond to that? Yeah, and that that's true. And I mean, that's something even as we were working through the approvals, that's one place that certainly I was wondering if that would become an issue uh, when we were putting the labels through in February, March. But the thing is, um, for the CFIA regulations and, and under the legislation regulations, the beer does not require a country of origin, although I believe the LCBO itself uh, does have countries of origin on it but if you go on to the CFIA and look at what foods and what products require country of origin um, and that was done mainly to be able to you know safeguard our Canadian producers in fact I worked for the Ontario government in the years when that legislation was being put forward and did work with the producers uh, of um, you know red meat producers and others at the time to get some of those protections in place for for our own Canadian industry, so that um, you know that uh, labeling wouldn't uh, be misleading or deceptive, right? So, um, but for the wine, it does, so that's the wine. It does require a country of origin, but it can also be a region of origin, like as in California wine, for example. And I know that came up. Uh, Dimitri could speak to the legal aspects, because uh, but it certainly that was you know part of arguments that uh, that I heard. Uh, um, when, uh, you know, when the case was uh, being heard, I was there for one of the days of the case being heard. And that was certainly one that was raised and one that I had raised and, and mentioned when, you know, we were talking about this originally with the uh, with the LCBO. So even if Palestine wasn't um, considered a country, it's still considered a region, which really brings us then to sort of the communication that we've had more recently. So. You know, on um, October 6th, of course, the Canadian government appealed the uh, 
the decision that had been made by the court, um, appealed it to the Supreme Court. Um, but still, we didn't hear anything about Tabe or, you know, what was happening uh, in regards to the Tabe product. But then a little bit later, I think it was September the 27th, then I did have some contact from the LCBO, um, you know, providing some information around labeling, nothing that we hadn't already sort of had. Um, and it also did refer to, at that point, the Food and Drugs Act and the Safe Food for Canadians Act. And um, so on that basis, you know, we uh, we went back, uh, I guess, with with a statement and made it clear that the LCBO had approved all of the labels um, and that they understood where the product was uh, coming from and whether it be considered a country or a region. It was from Palestine. We also mentioned that, you know, Global Affairs Canada does have country codes that are listed on their website and those country codes include PS for Palestine state. So actually for importing and exporting for the control system, the federal government does recognize Palestine with the code. And then we, you know, we're clear, of course, that Palestine, as you've said, is really is a state under international law. The majority of states uh, um, in the vast world population have uh, recognized Palestine as a state um, that the United Nations Assembly voted. I think it was, you know, with a margin of 138 to 9 with a few abstentions to recognize Palestine as a non-member observer state of the United Nations. And then, you know, we mentioned that uh, the Palestinian Authority um, is understood to be a government ent- entity for both the West Bank and Gaza as per the Canadian, you know, policy that's on Canada's own 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 website, right? And um, you know, and so within that sense, um, you know, um, most recently uh, when the uh, Canadian Israel Free Trade Agreement was being uh, discussed through the House of uh, through the Parliament and through the Senate, I mean, there was a lot um, said about the fact that that modernizing of SIFTA. Um, would be preferential and would really make things better for Palestinian imports or exports into Canada, right? Um, and in fact, that was said even in 1997 when that original SIFTA agreement had been put in in place. Um, and then, of course, one could even go back further to the fact there is a, a joint Canadian-Palestinian framework for cooperation and trade between Canada and the PLO and the PA, our Palestinian National Authority. And so, I mean, um, you know, all that framework is there. So we've, we've provided that back along with, of course, international law under the Fort Geneva Convention as well. So, um, yeah, we wait. I guess we just wait to see because whether whether they consider it a country or, or a region, I mean, the framework is, is certainly there for it to be the product of Palestine um, and to release the product and certainly not to be holding it. So uh, I guess, uh, as we mentioned, the first excuse, they, uh, the first explanation or excuse, I would call it, they mentioned is to uh, hold them because of the federal court ruling. And we addressed that, uh, the hypocrisy maybe of this, but also the absurdity because the federal court ruling was about settlement ones and misleading labels about products made in settlements. And that this court ruling has nothing to do with actually Palestinian products made inside the Palestinian territories. The other point that is being made uh, is that Palestine is not recognized as a country, but you addressed all that, uh, you already addressed all that, and uh, Canada does uh, uh, recognize at least Palestine or Palestinian territories as a region, and also, as you mentioned, the Global Affairs Canada Country Codes has a code for Palestine, uh, the PS code for export and import control system. So because of all these facts, people are wondering if actually uh, this sudden hold of the products were made because there was a lot of pressure put on LCBO and maybe the CFIA um, on Electronic Intifada and in an article by Electronic Intifada, they listed a number of uh, pro-apartheid groups that called on their supporters to put pressure on the CFIA about the Palestinian wines in particular. Uh, Dimitri Laskaris is quoted in the same 
article to say that the Canada government's appeal and the hold on Thai beverage is, quote, purely a result of a desire on the part of the Trudeau government to avoid alienating the pro-Israel lobby in this country. So I guess my question is, after you addressed all the supposedly arguments about how they justified holding these Palestinian wines, what is left is really a lot of people wondering if this decision by the LCBO was not a result of pressure by pro-apartheid groups or catering to them or maybe a backlash because Palestine Solidarity Group won the, the, the court case when it comes to settlement wines. What do you think about that? Do you feel that maybe there's a controversy there that maybe the LCBO acted this way because of pressure? It, um, I mean, I have no way of knowing, and that's why, you know, I've certainly, um, I'm hoping that I can get some, uh, you know, information through access, uh, you know, requests and that kind of thing. Um, what we do know, though, and as you've uh, mentioned from what Dimitri had shared as well, I mean, we know that when David Kentenberg put his original uh, complaint into the, um, into the CFIA that the original decision was that the product needed to be pulled, the Israeli product for the settlements, um, until uh, labeling could be addressed. And that when that went to be implemented, as I understand it, with the LCBO in particular, um, that that's when this flip-flop happened in, uh, in the prime minister's office, which is so really atypical. I know I talked to wine producers here in Canada, and while I think they're reluctant to get engaged, I mean, they were really shocked about how something like that could happen in the, you know, the prime minister's office rather than at a, you know, a, um, a bureaucratic, what a bureaucratic decision had been made. So we, we do, we do know that um, we, you know, also, uh, would wonder why this would have happened. I mean, certainly it was public that the uh, that the product was coming into Canada. I had that up on the on the, the PalestineJustTrade.ca website from the time that we had approval in March. Um, some of the groups that you mentioned um, of the pro-Israel lobby groups um, started to get a hold and think and realize about this information later in August. But my guess is probably others may have been following up earlier, but we, we don't know that. We know that there were, um, you know, some um, some attacks made uh, both uh, to Tabe and to Palestine Just Trade and to other organizations that are importing products um, for solidarity kinds of products and quality products into Canada. We know that the Jewish Defense League attacked, uh, you know, um, us through posts on Facebook and that kind of thing and emails and such directly, I believe, even to Tabe, which uh, would say that there was certainly something going on. And I think the Jewish Defense League actually in some of those posts may have even said that they uh, – took credit for the product having been put on hold, but in fact, the product had been on hold for a few weeks before that. So, um, yeah, I don't really, I don't really, really know. Um, I do know that the LCBO staff at the staff level have um, been working with me and have been very professional. Um, and, uh, but I also know that our product now, you know, the Tabe product's been on hold since, uh, yeah, more than three months, I guess, right? Because that was August and we're now in October. October, you know, well, it arrived more than three months ago. I mean, it should have been out on the shelves more than two months ago, right? So uh, a lot of questions for sure, for sure. Um, just you mentioned about the, the confusing messages coming from um, the LCBO and CFIA. In the same article by Electronic Intifada, they say that the CFIA recently responded uh, back in September. They recently responded to an inquiry from a pressure group called United with Israel, which is the pro-apartheid group, and they asserted to them that, quote, no shipments of wine in question are being held by the CFIA, unquote. So this is what the CFIA said in September, and it seems that it directed further questions to the Canada's foreign ministry. But at the same time, as you mentioned, the Liquor Control Board of Ontario, LCBO, is actually saying that they're holding it because they're waiting for the CFIA. So this is about the sort of confusing messages coming from the CFIA and the, LCB, uh, the LCBO. Why, why did you did you get actually a response or any uh, message from the CFIA directly or is it just the LCBO which is saying that they're waiting for the CFIA. 
Yes, we've had several responses um, for the le- from the legal letters that were were sent from uh, the LCBO and the CF. CFIA. Um, the response, the key response from the CFIA would mirror very much what uh, the pro-Israel group was also told that CFIA not only was not holding it, but I think the, I don't have the exact words in front of me, but it was something to the effect that, um, you know, that they weren't part of the decision making. However, and I think it's in the electronic intifada article you refer to as well, there was mention of um, some requests that had been made by the LCBO to CFIA on something like, I think it was maybe April 15th, the middle of April, which is what I had described earlier in this interview. Some strange things were happening, but um, in fact, somebody even did tell me at one point from the LCBO shipping that CFIA wouldn't allow the product, um, but then it, you know, that seemed to clear itself. So I do think something happened in April between LCBO after the approvals, um, but of course the product still ended up here and on the ship, and none of that was communicated. None of that was communicated transparently to... Uh, to uh, to myself uh, um, as the agent. So um, LTBO though has clearly both at the legal level and the program level said that you know they're waiting for direction from CFIA specifically on this um, through the correspondence that has been you know in later August through to uh, the last when they you know were in touch with me about a month ago now um, you know saying they'd like to come up with some sort of a way to get the product out and so uh, you know um, you know what what would be some options and we said well you know the region and the whether it's a country or a region it's still Palestine so if it's not product of Palestine maybe product of Palestine region or the region of Palestine or or I suppose, you know, maybe something like a product of the occupied Palestinian territory. Um, so we're, we're, we're waiting. We haven't heard, heard back. Um, and, um, yeah, so it's all, it is all a little confusing. It seems that with that um, particular article that you referred to um, on the pro-Israel uh, questions to the Global Affairs Canada, they had, you know, got a response I know uh, Nora with Electronic Intifada did not and, and still has not got a response uh, from Global Affairs Canada. Um, you know, in uh, so yeah, we we you know we uh, we aren't sure if it's really Global Affairs Canada, not CFIA, that uh, maybe is the one that's making decisions because certainly references has been of course made to Global Affairs Canada, and of course that's why we wanted to make it clear that you know. Um, there is uh, a code under the import and export control systems for Palestine or the state of Palestine, so or whatever. So um, yeah, so that uh, yeah, it's still it's just there's not there you know there's still lack of clarity. I guess is the the, the thing mainly, right? Yeah. Uh, so in the same article, the electronic intifada got uh, a reaction, I guess, coming from Palestine because at the middle of this is this Palestinian brewery. Uh, the Taiba Brewery and uh, Madis Khouri that you mentioned uh, she is the Taiba's general manager so she is uh, uh, I believe the only female brewer in Palestine she told Electronic Antifara and I'm quoting this is the first time this has ever happened to Taiba then she explained that the company has recently received a deluge of hate mail from Canadian Zionists. She also noted that the longer the Canadian government keeps their products in storage while prepaid orders go unfulfilled, the worse it is for the quality of the beverages and the reputation that the company has built. She continues to say, and I'm quoting, we promote fresh, high-quality beer, but we don't even know how they're, they're storing it or how they're handling the cases. It destroys the image of a Taibe, unquote. So you are the agent of uh, a Taibe, the Taibe Brewery. And uh, in Canada, I'm assuming you are in direct contact with the people there. Um, what are they telling you? Are they surprised? This is how ca- Canada is behaving in regard of their products. Yeah, for sure. First, I'll just mention Medias. I think is the only female brewmaster in all of the Middle East, maybe as oh. well. Um, yeah. And I'll put a plug in for her brother Canaan too, because uh, I haven't got the title totally right, but he was like t- very top on the world mastery for the wine uh, when he did his wine making uh, test as well. So they're very, very talented craft 
people and uh, um, as well as uh, running running now the the business uh, from their you know as if they succeed from their their parents or succession plan from their parents. But um, yeah, I mean. Um, what I have had assurances from program staff who, as I say, have been very, very good and very, I mean, they're not able to tell me things. I mean, they're clearly the messaging is being controlled from very senior levels at the LCBO and, and through federal contacts, I guess, that those managers are having with CFIA um, and maybe Global Affairs Canada. But the staff have assured me that the product is being stored uh, in proper cooling temperatures and being very well looked after. So we're really pleased about that. Um, the wine, I think, you know, it's it already is, uh, you know, it's product that is going to uh, be okay as it's aging. I, I think that, you know, it'll be okay. The, the beer um, is fine yet. We're not at a sort of at a point, you know, where it's a problem. But as Medea said, wow, wouldn't it have been great to be able to have released that product here in Canada when it was still like, fresh and, and within the, you know it's a couple of months of having been brewed because they did brew it they were brewing it to put it right onto the truck to get it right over onto the ship to minimize the amount of time so that we'd be getting really fresh product i mean they you know i remember the the day in uh, in may when they were like you know okay it's ready to go we've got all the permits and they're ready to get it and you know we've got the labels all printed and it's being brewed so i mean it's so disappointing for them um, and yeah, I mean, this has never happened to them before. Uh, you know, we've, uh, we do, I think have a pretty strong, uh, you know, pro-Israel, uh, Zionist lobby, uh, here in Canada and, um, and we're feeling that. And, and for Tepe, I think it was surprising and, and their words saddening, just really saddening for them. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm doing all that we can and Dimitri and, and the community around us who, uh, are doing all that we can, but it's um, it's really it's it's really it's frustrating and disappointing um, that we can't just focus on this wonderful quality product and uh, and having it here to uh, to to enjoy as we do products from all around the world, right? Mm. Uh, so, uh, yeah, what can see. what can our listeners, if they want to help, what can they do maybe to uh, to help you with the pressure to make their voices heard to ask maybe question of the LCBO and the CFIA? What can they do to uh, to help you out with this? For sure. Um, yeah. So I mean, on PalestineJustTrade.ca, um, we have information. There's also an article uh, which uh, we have links to that Dimitri had. Uh, De Las Caras had put out, which includes lots of details and uh, other articles such as the uh, Electronic Intifada and some other articles that Marianne Kawas had also got into a couple of other uh, art, um, media. So, I mean, that information all you can find from uh, the front page of palestinejusttrade.ca. And it does also include uh, information in terms of email contacts uh, for the president of the Canadian Food Inspection Agency and and uh, for the senior manager for the Liquor Control Board of Ontario. So certainly people writing, uh, phoning, uh, saying they've been waiting for this product. They, you know, maybe had tried the product when they've been in Palestine in the past. They were excited. They're still excited. They want the product out. They don't understand what this uh, is about some of the things that we've talked about. Uh, share, you know, some of the information we've we've talked about and uh, and try to let those voices know um, that you know we uh, we really are wanting this product released. We know that the uh, Jewish Defense League put a similar writing uh, campaign against the product to the CFIA uh, back in August, and um, and so uh, you know I'm sure they've been hearing from folks on the other uh, on the other side about why Tebe products shouldn't be allowed into Canada, although I'm not sure what those reasons would be. So, um, yeah, and then once the product is released, um, and inshallah it will be uh, be ready to uh, to purchase it. We, you know, it's not large quantities, but we want to make sure that it uh, people are able to enjoy it, and really we want to be ready to get product onto the next shipment because uh, you know I would expect another ship would leave from Haifa. I'm in touch with the LCBO and I've asked them to let me know if another ship is leaving because we will want to have more product on each time, right? Because uh, 
you know, that that's part of it. Also, if you're, you're from, and I know your listeners, of course, aren't just from Ontario, they're from right across Canada. Um, certainly, um, we were ready to bring a private order into Newfoundland and Labrador. They had approved everything. And then we decided we'd wait and do the LCBO order and then follow up uh, immediately after. So, um, you know, we want to move with that order. Um, but we've also been in contact with uh, the agencies across Canada, other liquor agencies, and would be ready to... Uh, to try to get, you know, private orders or orders coming in through um, programs that they would have or tenders that they would have as well. So, uh, yeah, it's something, you know, even if you're not from Ontario, if you can kind of uh, be part of uh, raising the question with the Liquor Control Board of Canada and the CFIA, that'll help us work to uh, to bring product in, in hopefully to uh, to get it across the country in the in the coming year years. <laughs> So I guess my final question, um, as we were talking throughout the interview, is clear that it is uh, it takes a lot of work, it takes a lot of energy, time, not only logistics and the procedures, but also the unforeseen challenges uh, when it comes to anything that has to do with Palestine. So my question is, why do you do it? Why do you think it's important to bring Palestinian products to Canadian markets? Well, I think it's just one of the many, many things that we uh, can do. Can do, And uh, certainly um, you, we know, you know, products such as uh, Robert Massoud and the uh, Zatun olive oil and, uh, and Zatar really helps for people to be aware and, uh, and understand what's happening in Palestine. Similarly, the Majil dates have uh, worked really well uh, doing that through especially Ramadan and Eid, but right through the year. And for the wine and beer, I mean, it's something that, you know, we've heard many um, people who've been uh, in Palestine talk about, boy, I wish we could have that product here, that quality product here. And, um, you know, there is only $900,000 of imports coming into Canada from Palestine. Um, sometimes there's been a bit more, but that's what there's been the last couple of years. And uh, that's what I was reminded of by our former head of mission, Douglas Proudfoot, when I was in Ramallah last year. So, you know, um, it just uh, is exciting to be able to have the product and to enjoy it and uh, to uh, not just because it's from Palestine, but because it's a distinct quality product, but uh, also to be able to help to tell that story of Palestine and the, the wonderful uh, resistance and uh, innovation that can happen at the same time with people like uh, the Khoury family, right? Uh, so it's, uh, yeah, it's just, it's hard not to, not to want to do it, uh, even though it is, as you say, a lot of, a lot of hard work and a lot of diligence and, uh, the other reason is that um, certainly any of the um, profits, any money that we uh, in the end make, and so far that won't be the case for the uh, beer and wine, but any money that we would be making through Palestine just uh, trade goes back into work directly related to Palestine through a not-for-profit Just Peace Advocate. And, um, you know, it has a number of campaigns and uh, is... Uh, doing advocacy work here in Canada, but also um, helping with uh, specific groups uh, on the ground in Palestine. We're quite uh, linked in with al Haq as an example, um, and the Pacific Coalition for Palestinian Rights in, uh, in Jerusalem and other organizations. So part of the motivation also is that this is a way for us to contribute back to the important work of solidarity here in Canada for Palestine and uh, and uh, with in partnership with uh, people in in Palestine in solidarity with people in Palestine. So with me on the phone, uh, Karen Rodman. Karen is based in uh, Toronto. She is the voluntary executive director of the Palestine Just Trade Association. We were talking about the Taibi wines and beers products, but more specifically, we're talking about how the CFIA and the LCBO is using a recent federal court ruling about the misleading, quote, product of Israel label that exists on settlement products sold in Canada. And uh, this uh, federal court ruling is being used now not to stop the actual product that has this misleading label on, but to actually stop Palestinian products like the Taube wines and beers that has nothing to do with this misleading labels and are not even made in the settlements to begin with. So thank you very much, uh, Karen, for talking to us today. Yeah, very much. My pleasure. My name is Sausan Kadura yeah. and you are listening to Under the Olive Tree.